0: This is the Kestrel Country Podcast, where we discuss the people, places, and events all around Kestrel Country. Yeah, but uh, yeah, this will be good. Yeah. This will be good. Tim, thanks for coming in to, talk yeah. to us. Yeah, thanks for writing me in. Yeah. Tim Van Dyken. Um, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff, hunting, background, How you got into it? Yeah, Uh, feel the flame. Got your T-shirt on. Yeah, feel the flame. Yeah, yeah. So (laughs) I guess first of all, just tell us uh, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? And how'd you get into hunting originally?
1: Yeah, great question. I was born over in Toronto, Ontario. I'm not Canadian. I am. uh, I guess technically I'm dual.
0: You're born in Ontario.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Born in Toronto, Ontario. My dad was an American. My mom was a Canadian. So my dad... Dad uh, ensured that we were all born as American citizens. He was very, very insistent on that, which worked out well because we moved to Washington when I was about two, a little over two years old. Okay, yeah. So I was—I didn't live in Canada very long.
0: There you go. Yeah. Then in Washington. Where in Washington?
1: So an hour north of Seattle, up in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah.
0: Nice, beautiful.
1: Yeah, beautiful area. A lot of uh, a lot of wildlife, a lot of outdoor recreation stuff: fishing, camping, hiking. Uh, not a, I didn't do a lot of hunting growing up, but a lot of a lot more fishing and hiking. That was my dad's thing. He loved to hike.
0: Okay, did he fish? too? is that how you got
1: into that? Or a little bit. He had gear, uh, not a lot. My dad grew up fishing in northern Ontario in the lakes up there with my grandfather pike fishing. Me too. Uh, That's where
0: I grew up fishing. Oh yeah. Yeah. We would go every year we'd go up north of Sault Ste. Marie. Oh nice. And yeah. Go and fish in those lakes up there. Usually lake trout. We were like troll for lake trout. Oh or yeah. Mackinac they call yep. them out here. But, yep. Yeah. Yeah.
1: My awesome. grandfather loved pike fishing. He had some pike skulls in his garage, some really big ones. That's awesome. And my my dad and his, one of his sisters uh, pike fished all the time up there. They, they would go up there every summer and come home with boatloads of pike that's awesome That was great yeah yeah so I, I learned a little bit from him uh not a lot he was not as, he was more into gardening and hiking than he was into fishing not into hunting at all he had never hunted before okay so that so was how did
0: you get into it then i mean it seems like a lot of people get into it because their dad took them hunting right
1: a lot of people yeah that's usually the way it goes most of the time and there's folks like myself who I wanted to get into hunting, but had no idea what to do. When we moved to Eastern Washington, when I was 14, uh, some friends took me out duck hunting. I got into duck hunting a little bit. And I was in my mid-teens, and I didn't know the difference between a a shotgun and a rifle yet. It was pretty green to hunting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So duck hunting was your first foray into it.
1: Duck hunting, yeah. A little up-and-game, pheasants, uh, chuckers was a big thing. We like to go chucker hunting, but ducks were the primary thing I'd I'd go out and hunt.
0: Is there a lot of duck hunting in that area, Tri Cities area?
1: Yeah, there actually is. A lot of the wheat fields and the rivers were really good for duck hunting. Hmm. The uh, cornfields, those were great for duck hunting. There's a few potholes here and there that were fun to go to go set up decoys on. But I primarily hunted the farmland. I knew a lot of farmers out there, so I'd sit in their wheat fields. Duck and geese would come in, usually in the evenings for, for a feeding before they go to the water for the evening. So it was a great, great places to duck hunt. Huh.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that great. that kinda got you hooked.
1: It did. It did. Uh, I went bear hunting one time with my brother and uh out in the Southampt area. And I was I think it was eighteen, maybe seventeen. And I had no idea what it was I was doing. I got a bear tag and we went out there for three or four days brought about an afternoon's worth of food and then starved for the rest of the time. <laughs> zero idea of what we were doing. Wandered around. I have no idea. I'm assuming I was in the right area I was allowed to be in. There's no such thing as Onex maps. So you're just, you, you get to know the farmers. You get to know the people in the area. You talk to some locals. Where do you go? I go over here. You might find something. And you wander around making all kinds of racket, having no clue what you're doing, but having fun. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, hiking with a rifle. Is right. Kind
1: of what I call it. Yeah. yeah that's exactly right. That's yeah. exactly right.
0: Nice. So you grew up, and then were you in the that Central Washington area for for a while? Or
1: yeah. So I moved there when I was fourteen. Then I went to the military when I was eighteen. Okay. Uh, kind of a mixed story there. Just trying to get away from from um, from family. It was I was. A bit of a rebellious kid for a while, trying to get away from family. So I went to the military, my dad called one of my one of his cousins, who was a vice admiral in the Navy, and he told my dad, yes, send him. He needs to go. There you go. So it worked out well. My dad took his advice and sent me off to the Coast Guard for six years. Okay. So then I, and I wound up back. I traveled around quite a bit, wound up back up in Mount Vernon, so an hour north of Seattle,
0: with the Coast Guard? With
1: the Coast Guard, yeah. Okay. So I was up there patrolling the San Juan Islands for a couple of years and then became a police officer up there. And uh yeah, that's so that was that's where I said so I settled down there after I got out of the military, settled down there with my with my wife. I met her up there, we got married up there in two thousand four.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. So is that close to where your family had moved from Ontario?
1: Yeah. So it was in fact I went to the same church my dad had started out there. Oh well. Wow. in nineteen eighty one. I went to the same church. Uh, that's where I met my wife. But that was more and by that,
0: accident. Like you, you didn't like plan. Oh, this is where I'm going back to. No, was in fact, the Coast Guard took you there.
1: Well, and I was God's providence was working in that. I was in California, not doing well spiritually, and uh, so it would have would have been in yeah, 2001, and or yeah, 2000 area that that area, and I had I had orders to go to a, a base in. California, Central California, Carquinas, which was a great station, very sought after. I got, I, I got that, that, uh, that station, and I went home for a vacation for a couple of weeks. And towards the end, I just knew God was calling me to go back up somewhere different. I knew I couldn't stay in California. Mm-hmm. Nothing good was gonna happen. And I called my, my captain and I said, I, I need to go to Bellingham. He's like, why? I was like, I, I don't know, I just need to go. I can't be in California. So he said, I can't change. You're leaving in three weeks. I can't change. It's like, well, you just need to do whatever you can. And we had a good relationship. He actually is the one who really got me into fishing. He loved to fish. Hmm. So we'd go fishing in California and up in uh, Alaska. So he said, okay, let me see what I can do. He made a few phone calls. Three weeks later, I was up in Bellingham.
0: Wow. So, Crazy.
1: Yeah. And you were there for how long? So I it was a, just over two years I needed to serve in Bellingham, so I moved there in January and then I got out in March of 03, March, okay. April.
0: Did you do any hunting while you were in the Coast Guard? Is that
1: zero? Not, I, the even only, when you
0: have that opportunity to like, you can hunt anywhere, right? I was yeah, in, isn't oh that the way man. It works?
1: Yeah. I mean, I was being in Alaska. I, oh, wow. as a military, I could have, I was up there for a total of four months and both times were during hunting season. And I, because of being in the military, I could have gotten really, really inexpensive tags. And I could have, there's some different rules now, but back then I could have gotten three deer on a, it wasn't a resident tag, but it was a resident or non-resident military tag. Yeah. And it was like 30 bucks, 30 bucks for all three tags, super cheap. And I completely ignored it. I went fishing. I did a lot of fishing up there, but no hunting. Yeah, I was... Looking back, unfortunate yeah, that I like, oh, didn't man. take advantage of
0: <laughs> Did you see a lot of game though? I mean, like, so what, as in the Coast Guard, were you out kind of patrolling the coast? I and mean, it sounds like a stupid question. Yeah. But, like, you, did, would you see a lot of stuff or were you kind of more out and further out in the water and that kind of
1: thing? Yeah. So the, we, did, we did a lot of search and rescue up there and mm-hmm. fishery patrol. So I was on a 400 foot ship and our and I was on a, a law enforcement detachment team off the ship. So we spent more of our time um, not patrolling U.S. boats, just f- focusing on search and rescue for U.S. boats, but actually patrolling international dateline. Mm. And that's where the Russians would come over and try to fish in U.S. waters or uh, c- cross the international dateline. And There was a treaty. They were not allowed to do that. So that was our, our focus was to go up and down that line, international dateline, and just keep them on their side and we were up in the uh, up in the Bering Sea. Wow. So definitely a lot of we saw a lot of wildlife, but usually that was I mean, obviously when we were on the coastline, we'd see a lot of moose and bears especially. Hmm. Uh not a lot of deer, um, but moose and bear were all over the place. And then of course out in the ocean we saw a lot of a lot of fish, a lot of whales. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's cool. It was fun. That's
0: good. So when did you so you met your wife in Bellingham? Settled down there for a while. Well, really, till relatively recently?
1: Yeah. So we got married, and I moved there, and it would have been 01. We got married in 04, and then, yep, raised four kids there. And then our youngest was four years old. We moved out here. So maybe it would have been two and a half, three years ago. Moved out here to Idaho. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: were you hunting on the west side before moving here?
1: Yeah, so my my hunting career kind of started. Oh man, I'm 44 now, so it would have started when I was about 30, 32. So I had gotten out of the the police force and into finance, and then my brother in law said, "Hey, we should we you should get a bow, we should, we should go bow hunting," because he had he was into he was into hunting. I said, "Okay, well I'll go do that." So I went and bought a bow, went to the my friend owned an archery shop, went down there and got totally set up. He got me a nice uh, PSE, so middle of the road, nothing fancy, and my uncle took me out one day. I said, well, let's go set up a tree stand, and it was a second, you know, second day of hunting. Set up a tree stand, got his spot all set up, and I asked him, well, where am I gonna go? He said, well, you can set up a tree stand wherever. This is you know some land that a friend of mine owns. Just walk up the road and let's see what we can find. So we, we walked up this old old dirt road, and there was a doe. So I shot my first deer within about four hours of my very first deer hunt ever. And I thought, this is really this is awesome. easy. Like, Why why don't more people do this? So like from
0: the <laughs> ground, or are you in your stand? I was walking. You hadn't even set up a stand. I hadn't even set walking. up a
1: stand. And <laughs> I was four hours in my very first day of hunting. The only... Drawback back to that was my hunting season for deer was over i know i know <laughs> i'd never experienced hunting until the next year I, I i mean i went out quite a bit with my with my brother-in-law and my uncle but uh th- it was the next year so i would have been yeah 13 years ago and i i didn't know anything about it and that was an interesting thing about getting into hunting when you don't know anything about how hunting works i spent a ton of time youtube wasn't huge yet but it was yeah. getting there. I listened to a lot of podcasts on hunting, um, books, read books on hunting. Found some old, the old uh, uh, Rocky Mountain Aqual Foundation books. Read a lot I of know. those. I have a whole stack of those. I I had read multiple times, just learning how hunting works and what to do. So I, that was kind of how I got into it. Hmm. Uh, just just studying, picking up anything I could read. Yeah, magazines. it's
0: interesting now that that's like YouTube, especially. Oh, like, there's so
1: different. So many resources
0: out there, like. That um, elk I shot with my bow a couple years ago, honestly, like as weird as it sounds like I credit YouTube with that yeah. one, because it was like, I had been watching all these, all these different videos and like actually watched a couple different guys talking about the frontal shot yes. on an elk. And I would have never taken a frontal shot before that. Like there were multiple times where I had elk, you know, easily within archery distance. It was like, man, I just didn't get the perfect shot presented to me. And so I didn't shoot. Right. And I have just been watching all these different videos. I think it was like a Corey Jacobson video, um, like the week before hunting season. Yes. And like watching it and watching like, <laughs> oh, like here's where I'm watching him do it successfully. And just even like that knowledge, but also that confidence yep. was huge. And it was like this bull stepped up onto the road, looking straight at me. And I was like, oh, there you go. Here we huh. go. You know, yep. and it was awesome. Yeah. That's great. So yeah, it's crazy how much YouTube has changed. I feel like before you really, it's still obviously huge to have a mentor. It is. In hunting. It is. But there, it's amazing how how much, you know, how many resources are out there.
1: I think it's good, too. I think, yeah, when it comes to, to hunting, finding new tactics, how to hunt areas, what to look for, a sign to look for, how to track an animal, butchering an animal. I mean, YouTube has been been really good for someone who doesn't have the that mentor to to. Walk them out there and say, "Okay, this is how you this is how you field dress an animal. This is how you do the gutless method, and you just got to figure it out on your own, or you have your mentor as YouTube." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So you were kind of self taught.
1: Yep, fully self taught. Yeah.
0: And so, what was your your journey from shooting a doe your first year to maybe getting more serious about it?
1: Yeah, after that first time. The next year, of course, I was out quite a bit, and then I decided to branch out a little bit more and try something new. So the very next year, a handful of friends said, "Hey, we're going to go up to Alaska and do caribou." And I thought, "That's great. I can do that." I shot a deer. I mean, four <laughs> hours later, I had my deer. And there's <laughs> these guys are they're out there hunting for weeks on end, and finally getting one. I'm like, I, I definitely had this. I had a lot. Of, I had a lot of confidence. <laughs> so we decided to go to Alaska and. That was, I'm not sure a year that was, but uh, the season was supposed to, for caribou on the North Slope, was supposed to go through from September 15th through October 15th. And before we got up there, they shut half the season down and closed it down October 1st. Oh, wow. And we were scheduled to fly out October 2nd and hunt from the 3rd to the 15th. So we got a hold of the fishing game up there and they said, well, you can use your tag for something of equal or lesser value. So you can use your caribou tag for a caribou or a deer or a bear, so we had a friend up there and called him up, and he said that let's let's go over to Kodiak Island, let's fly to the to uh, the opposite end. I think it'd be the south. Oh man, I'm not sure how the island is shaped, but anyways, it was the opposite end of uh, where the where the city is, uh, maybe an hour flight uh, on a little beaver. So we ran out there and decided to do that with for Sitka blacktail. Okay. And that was when I really started getting more serious because I realized, okay, this is not just um, hiking Well, hiking on Kodiak Island is pretty intense. Uh, a lot That's of bears out there yeah. yeah, we ran into five Kodiak Brown bears. Wow. Um, thankfully they never destroyed any of our stuff, but they did a, a neighboring camp. They destroyed their, their entire camp. Wow. So we, that was my first real, okay, now this is hunting is more than just walking out in the woods with a bow or a gun. You actually have to put some work and effort into it. So that's when I really started spending a lot more time just hiking in the mountains, setting up trail cameras, understanding the movement of animals, reading sign, trying to understand what a scrape is, what a rub is, when they do that, why they do it. Um, cameras. I had, I would usually have no less than five or six cameras up at any time, just trying to understand how deer, elk, and bear moved and why. And that's I, so I I would I would spend majority of an entire year with just my cameras up just all i wanted to do was go out there and get pictures and see what they were doing in videos yeah Yeah.
0: those trail cams are amazing they are that's awesome yeah yeah this i've i finally i've been dragging my feet on finally put some up on my property this year it's just like it's so much fun to just go you know be like see what's moving around when you're not there you know and that's one of the things i really love about well like the midwest bow hunting is what i grew up doing and you're, mm. like, just sitting in a tree stand for oh, yeah. hours a day, which yeah. I can't really do anymore. I'm too antsy. Yeah, no. But it was, like, <laughs> it was fun because you'd sit there, and after, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes, the wood starts to just do its yeah. thing as if you're not there. And it's cool to, like, get that. You're almost, like, glimpsing into what's going on when you're not around, which is which is pretty cool.
1: It is. It's amazing to see the woods come alive. That's such an incredible feeling. And you get that especially when you're up in a tree stand. that. There's something special about that, but I'm the same way as you. I can't, I can't sit around in a tree stand for very long. I got to get down and go move. Yeah. I'm
0: like, what's over that next hill? Yes. You know, which is yeah. funny thinking back to when <laughs> I was growing, like in the Midwest, it really is like, you would literally just go sit in your stand yeah. for hours That's and brutal, hours and hours and just like, well, I guess just wait for something to walk by.
1: <laughs> it's great for some people. And I suppose there's a time and a place for that, but that's not my style. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, you get hunted quite a bit on the west yep. side, and yep. then you moved here two years, two two and a half years.
1: Yeah, two and a half years ago, uh, did my first bear hunt out here three or four years ago. Okay, which that was another different experience to learning how to, how to how to hunt bear. Uh, I had hunted Roosevelt elk on the west coast, which is a different hunt than Rocky Mountain elk. They're larger animals, smaller antler, but they are extremely quiet. They don't bugle a whole lot. Interesting. Even during the middle of the rut, you hardly hear them calling a little bit, not a lot. And it was interesting. We had it at one time where we saw, we heard an elk moving around. We knew that there was probably a bull in the area because we were cow calling and he was skirting around. And the reprod was probably 15 feet tall, real thick Christmas tree, like trees everywhere. You can't see more than about 10 yards. And so there's this old old logging skitter road. We've, so I set up on one side, my buddy set up about 20 yards behind me was calling and I was at full draw and there's his bull. and he, you see a line of trees and then the opening and he would just peek his head out. You see one antler and half of his face oh. and in one eye and he'd look at you and then he head to go back in and it was dead silent and he was gone. Wow. And that was, that was Rosie's. They're very, was... yeah. A lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get one? I did not get one. Nope. That we saw a lot. I had a shot at a big cow, and um, made some errors in that. So, and,
0: d- and that's like on the coast, pretty much is where the
1: <laughs> yeah. In fact, where I was, where we had we, we in our spot, where we had we had a lot of good. There's a lot of elk there. We just uh, I was a new hunter to elk hunting. That was my first couple years, and I sucked at it. It was very clear afterwards. <laughs> but we would. Up on the mountains, once you are up high, you could actually see the ocean.
0: That's awesome. It was
1: real close. We're That's maybe cool. 15 miles, 10 miles from the ocean, which is beautiful area to hunt. It's gorgeous, thick, thick underbrush, but elk everywhere. Um, hard to find them because they're quiet. But when you do find a clear cut and you see elk, you can I mean it's it's so beautiful to watch them. And we we had a whole herd, actually, that the one I shot at the night before we had found this herd in this big clear cut, probably about a 40, 50 acre clear cut. It's not huge, medium size. Um, And this bull was just walking around his cows and it was just before dark. So we, we ended up just putting, putting them to bed there, then walking out. But uh, he was um, the only, only Roosevelt bull I'd ever really heard bugling. And he would bugle just real quiet, like almost like a half a bugle. And then he would shut up and he just walk around his cows. And then just before it got dark, and you, we, were, we were probably 70 or 80 yards away, um, see the tops of their heads and their antlers of the bull. There was like 14 cows, maybe two or three spikes in this big six point bull. And then they just, without even a sound, just quietly just disappeared into the woods. Just super surreal and interesting mm-hmm. to watch them just disappear and you don't hear anything. These are massive animals, thousand pound animals, and can move that silently is just crazy. Yeah, Yeah. that's nuts. Yeah, so are they, are
0: they, do they have a lot of predators over there? Is that like because I know around here, at least Mm. from what I've heard, yeah, part of the reason why the elks are a lot less vocal than they used to be is because of the wolves. Yeah, because they would, you know, they're basically attracting predators, yep. right? I mean, yep. and, and hunters to a degree too, but sure. is that similar or is it just by nature those Roosevelt don't bugle as much?
1: I think it's more nature because the there is no wolves out there. Uh I don't, yeah, there's no wolves on the west side of the Cascades there at all. In fact, we maybe four years ago, we had the first sighting of a wolf on the west side of the Cascades, hmm. uh, maybe an hour from where we lived. Outside of that, there is just no wolves. The predators for them are going to be the black bear's fair amount of black bears. And the hunting for black bear in that area is you can't bait. You can't use dogs. So it's real difficult. And um, the regulations are pretty rough against any predator hunting. There's a lot of cats. So cat population is pretty high. That puts a lot of pressure on them. But I think just naturally, Roosevelt's are just a lot quieter than a rocky.
0: Hmm. Yeah, Uh, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. So you moved over here. Yep. And obviously, it's pretty different uh, from a terrain standpoint, from the game. Um, yeah, what was that like, making that transition, getting into hunting over here?
1: Yeah, that was interesting. Moving away from an area where I'd done a fair amount of hunting, but not a ton, in a, in a, a state that's not generally as hunter-friendly as Idaho, mm-hmm. was so different coming here. And I was, of course, being a hunter – I was excited, and I, I wanted to. I, I mean, I had been hunting here off and on as an out-of-state hunter quite a bit for whitetail and bear. So for for me, it was a treat to be able to move over to a state that actually embraced hunting the way it does. Yeah, yeah, a lot of fun. Been out a lot, and I I travel out of state to Wyoming too. Wyoming is different terrain, but hunter friendly as well. Those some great states to hunt in.
0: Yeah, yeah. So tell me about field to flame what's what's that all about yeah uh, how'd that get started, and what are you doing with it
1: yeah now field to flame so i got it field to flame was a an idea that me and my sons well i I decided to create something that I wanted to showcase getting people into hunting, and I think there's a lot of dads out there let me rephrase it. There's a lot of kids out there that want to get into hunting, but their dads don't know how to hunt. So yeah. the dads want to get into hunting, but they don't know what to do. And I've experienced this, this quite a bit here. This goes back to
0: what we were just talking about. Right? Yeah.
1: yeah. How to, If you don't have that legacy of your,
0: right. your dad getting into it, how do you do it?
1: What do you do? Where do you start? Yeah. I mean, you can use YouTube, but that only gets you so far. And you just got to get out there and make a lot of mistakes. And I think the hunting community is a very close-knit community, there's only about 4.5% of the population that actually hunts. Hmm. It's a very small portion of the population, and it's actually been shrinking. So one of my thoughts, and I want to get my sons into hunting, so I thought, well, why don't I create a show that teaches dads how to get out with their kids? And that was a big thing, I think, just the camaraderie that I have with my sons, Going out hunting was a, was really important to me to build that relationship and that bond, do real difficult things with them out in the woods, make them uh, work hard, be uncomfortable, and enjoy it yeah and how, how do I, how do I instill that into them and they wanted to go hunting so that's kind of spawned the idea of field the flame yeah yeah so
0: you mentioned getting them out making them uncomfortable but having them enjoy it. Yes. How has that balance worked?
1: Interesting that, way is to... Is it mostly yeah.
0: just that they they already have that desire and so they're they're willing to do it or has there been some, yeah, I guess, how's that gone? Because I feel like that's always, that's something I've kind of struggled with, with. It's like, how much do you try to make it a real positive experience and make sure they're pretty comfortable so that they don't be like, this hunting thing stinks, you know? Yeah but yet also pushing them to do things that are hard and that make them uncomfortable.
1: It is a difficult thing to balance. And what I've found is, is doing some things with them that are not super hard at first, but they're also really talking to them about why we do hard things. Like what's the purpose of football? What's the purpose of having a lot of homework or having to do a difficult task what what are we trying to instill in you as a child, as a son growing up to be a man and a warrior? How do we instill that? So I spent a lot of time coaching them initially before we would go out hunting. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is what it's going to feel like. And this is how it's going to be uncomfortable. And I mean, I got photos and videos of me taking my kids out when they were in, still in backpacks, you know, in the, in the, the kid carrier. So I, I started them really young, getting them out with me, uh, making them do... Know, hike hard with me, but they they want to be out there with dad and I want to be out there with them and I show interest in what they want to do. And so then that reciprocates, they show interest in what I want to do. They get excited when there's an animal, all that pain and that stress and the frustration goes away when we got an animal. So that excitement really has um, pushed them to that level of, okay, I can deal with some difficult things. And I found that one of the, one of the best ways to get, my sons to do difficult things, really difficult things, and and at the end of it, enjoy it. Is filming some of it and then showing them. And I just film it. My initial start of that was just filming only for the sake of our own memories. Hmm. And we get home and we would have sto- what we call story time. We do this with hunting too. We 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 get back to the camp. We have story time and we look at all the film and we talk about our day and what happened. And they get excited because they see, oh, yeah, I remember doing that. I'm feeling good right now because I'm back at camp, and I got some warm food in my belly, and I got a drink. I'm happy. Dad, you know, We're sitting back sipping a little whiskey, and, and kids have their hot chocolate, and it's it's wonderful. It feels good. And yeah. then you look at those videos like, yeah, that was tough. That was a lot of fun, though. I really enjoyed that. And then as a dad, I'm really encouraging them. Like, you push through some really hard things, and you came out on top you didn't complain. So it was that's kind of the balance that I've taken with them to to try to get them excited about it and and do it because and I want them to do it because I want to do it so it's a bit selfish. But now they're at a point now with the boys being 11, 12 and 14 where they are constantly asking, "Dad, when can we go out hunting? I want to go out hunting."
0: It's, yeah, that's awesome. It's
1: a Different different mode whereas 4 or 5 years ago they're like, eh, "I don't know, I'll stay home." Like, nope, you're coming with me, and we're going to like it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you started by filming stuff for just yeah. your own, almost like a tool for, yeah. for you to help with your kids so they can yep. watch it for your own use. And is that how Field of Flame started? Because <clears throat> you were already filming stuff. Is it primarily, um, yeah, I mean, you mentioned a show. So yeah. YouTube?
1: Yep, so we haven't launched our first episode yet. We got okay. it done. So we, we filmed the whole episode, and... Uh, about a 30 minute episode um, hired a professional cinematographer to go out with us and wander around. It was an extremely difficult uh, central Idaho high mountain black bear hunt when the weather was brutal last year, last spring, Mm -hmm. the late, late snow. We had snow in, well, we went, we went there in June and we had snow like late June. It was like June 20. And so we had a lot of snow up there, miserable weather It rained and stormed the entire time we were out. I was making these boys get up at 2.30 in the morning to get to different spots to go hunting, getting back by 11 o'clock at night. They were taking naps whenever they had a chance. And I drove them into the ground. They were so tired. I was tired too. (laughs) And my cinematographer, he was blown away. He said, I've never seen boys do such hard things and not a single complaint the entire time. Hmm. And it was a real blessing to hear that because I'd been working on that so hard that I want these boys to do difficult things and not complain about it and understand that life is going to be hard. There's a lot of things out there that are hard. How do you do something really hard and find the joy in it still? And maybe you're not going to be enjoying the moment of it, but don't complain about it. And when you're done, look back and say, yeah, that was a hard thing, but I learned a lot of lessons from it. And they took that real well and did really well with it. And it was really exciting to look back and see that excitement in them. So that was, uh, that really kind of drove me and my purpose of doing that, that first episode was to see, okay, do I want to do this? Is this something that would be beneficial? And so I, that was kind of started the whole idea of, I really want to turn this into something where I can teach dads to do difficult things with their sons Get out there and hunt. Yes, you're going to have days where you're not going to have a lot, of, uh, a lot of success. You're going to have years where you're not going to have success. Mm-hmm. But there's so many hunting shows out there that my boys and I love to watch, but there's, it's always a dad being out there by himself. The mm-hmm. guy is out there. Where are the sons? Mm-hmm. Like That's our next generation. This is why the hunt, no, hunter numbers are dwindling. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So get get your sons out there and go do difficult things with them. They need to be out there. I don't wanna see a show that only has the guys out there hunting yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna we're gonna have a lot of we're gonna have episodes where there's no success, and I'm okay with that, yeah, because I'm taking my sons out. I'm doing something that's more important than just getting an animal. the harvest is important, that's what we're there for, just like winning a football game. We're there to win, but the lessons we're learning along the way are are really important.
0: That's awesome, yeah, well, and that's hunting, right. yeah i know and for people who aren't who maybe don't aren't into hunting or don't do it i know even like my wife you know she didn't grow up in a hunting family and i remember like the first time when we were dating i think i went on a turkey hunt or something you know i was going out early morning turkey hunt and came back and she's like where's the turkey i was hunting like it doesn't doesn't mean i'm gonna get something every time you know and i was like and besides like you said earlier i'm like it's like first day of season. Like I don't yeah. necessarily want to shoot something. Right. Like, I get to keep hunting. Yep. You know, and so yeah. many hunting shows, like you said, especially kind of the traditional Midwest. You know, yeah. What I don't know. I don't want to pick on any particular shows, but it's like it's all about that. Like giant buck walks out, boom. Yeah. You know, the grip and grin and all that. And I feel like one of the one of the shows that first really seemed to have a a number of episodes without success was like Meat Eater, right? Yes. Or like the first, even before Meat Eater, it was The Wild Within. Okay. It was like a travel channel, I think. Yep. And it would be like, yeah, this is, we didn't get anything. There's no kill shot. There's no, but it still was like resonates because like, oh, here's the story and here's what happened and here's how it went. And especially like bow hunting for elk, I feel like, I, I mean- Shooting an elk is amazing, but yeah. it's almost a side benefit to just yes, being out there in is. the woods, in the mountains, hearing the elk, interacting with them. You know, if you don't see anything or hear anything, it's pretty tough. Like that's that, tough. That's tough. I've experienced but that. But at least if <laughs> you're, like, encountering them, it's like, yes. that was amazing. Like, that was the best elk hunting i ever had. And there's no yep. dead No dead elk. No dead you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And- Meat Eater was another one. That's that's one of the shows we me and my boys spent a lot of time watching every episode multiple times. And Fresh Tracks, Randy Newberg's Fresh Tracks oh, was yeah. another one we loved because he same thing. There was times when him and Rennell are both the same attitude of of um, conservation versus preservation, really understanding the differences, and then spending a lot of time just enjoying the outdoors, um, not necessarily wanting to get the biggest, best one that's out there. That's not the primary it's, it's it's enjoying the enjoying the outdoors and and being out there and taking that that idea and then adding in, hey, I'm doing this with my sons. we're gonna we're gonna respect what God gave us. We're gonna glorify him and what we're doing. We're gonna really have a lot of fun with with um, doing hard things, and you're gonna be men after this. you're gonna really you're you're gonna be able to go through some really hard things and you combine hunting with football. And doing tackle football. I mean, how many schools have flag football? We're going to do tackle football starting at a little age and hunt. Those are hard things for boys to do, but it makes men out of you real quick. You mm-hmm. understand how to get hit hard and and uh, get back up. Yeah, yep,
0: yeah. So are are your boys involved with the planning of this too? And like, are they involved with like, hey, Dad, here's uh, like, let's do an episode like this or what? Like, you know, were they involved in the whole
1: thing or was it kind of bringing them along? Initially, it was a lot more just me uh, with my wild ideas. I tend to have a lot of uh, ideas I like to try out. And this one is the one that actually was something my wife said, You, yeah, we should, you should push this. This is something you seem to enjoy, and I think it would be really good. And so I ran with it. And then my sons really got in. They love the idea. So they have all kinds of mapped out ideas on, on um, hunts we want to do together, and what kind of episodes we can do. We want to do some episodes on fishing because one of my sons loves fishing more than hunting. And the other two boys love hunting. Uh, the butchering, the processing of animals, uh, understanding how to, how, kind of the how-to hunts, not just, hey, we're going out in the woods and you see us kill an animal. It's, this is how we set up. This is how we prepare. They want to get all that involvement built mm-hmm. into it, which is great. I love yeah. that they're so involved in that. And they enjoy it a ton.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. That's, so they're, what are ages again? Yeah. Um, 11, 12, and 14. Okay. Yeah.
0: So yeah, they're in the thick of it. Yep. How have you balanced like football and and hunting? I mean, that's, it's like speaking of like, those yeah. are both awesome, but I feel like. I that's, retired. That's no. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> you almost have to. It's, it's a difficult one where I miss a few practices especially being uh, one of the – helping the boys, helping coach the boys' team. Two of the boys are on the same team this year. Uh, it's, it's, so every other year – because of their ages, every every other year they're on three separate teams, and the opposite year they're on two different teams. So it's – this is the easy year. Next year is going to be a difficult year. But it's just, you know, every every moment you have, you just take advantage of it. Afternoons, a lot of afternoon hunts. Get out of school. I'm going to pick you up from school. And you're going to change in the truck as we drive to a hunting location. And you're going to skip one practice, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And we're going to go hunt. And the second the season's over, we're going to be hunting nonstop after school, um, weekends. And my dear wife is very um, patient in allowing us to do this because she understands the value of it. But it definitely is. There's a lot of – there's no – I mean, very rarely will I go on a solo hunt – it's mostly with the kids, which I did do last week. I went out on an elk hunt um, without my boys, and I have to say that was the first thing I said when I got back is to my boys, "Is I, I wish I was with you guys." Mm, that's awesome. Like it's 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 not the same anymore. I don't think I'll do us very many solo hunts. I it's really weird enjoy, getting like yeah. i well, I've, I'm just starting,
0: probably too late. Well, not too late, but. Later than I should in some of that uh, respect. Asa just got his first deer on oh, Sunday. Wonderful. Which is awesome. That's great. Um, But like that, the first experience was that was, I think it was the year before last when he shot his first turkey. It was like his uh, first success ever. Yes. And getting that glimpse, I've heard guys talk about it, but it's like hunting is a, it's a fun thing to do with other people. It's certainly fun. Like that's, it's all awesome. But you know, you're, you're obviously, you want to be the one who's, Taking the shot. Yeah. Like you want oh, yeah. to be a successful one, right? <laughs> but I was like, having my son shoot that turkey, like as, as minor as that was, like a turkey, right? Yeah. It was a Jake, you know? And that was like the most fun hunt I've ever been on at all, yep. right? You're like, this is incredible. Yes. You know? And having like experiencing that success for them, it's crazy to see how rewarding that can be, you know? It reminds me even hearing, I've heard, uh, you know, coaches talk that way or players who became coaches Mm -hmm. in in football or whatever like oh seeing my like taking my team to the super bowl is way rewarding than doing it myself kind of thing and and it's cool to to see that and have that like hey i really want to see this success for you and i'm actually way more excited if you're the one who gets to take that shot yes you know than than me you know like elbowing him out of the way like yep. yeah like yeah it's time no. for me to take the shot yeah, yeah. that's so, so true
1: i mean i had that last year with my youngest son there was this uh, we were deer hunting and there was a very large whitetail four by five it was biggest whitetail i had ever seen out in the wild and i let my 10 year old son take a shot at it and he missed but like i wouldn't change that i wouldn't go back and say oh i'm gonna take that shot because i know i can it was and a little over 200 yards, I could easily knock that thing down. And he was just shaking enough, and he pulled the shot. And it happens, and it sucks. And he learned some good lessons. Uh, I learned a few things out of it. And it was a hard thing, in a way, to see. Okay, I watched that big buck run off, and we're not going to see him again. And he may never. We're going to go back to the same area this fall. We may never see him again. He may be. He may be gone. He may be coyote bait or wolf bait. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But. I wouldn't change that and that I just seeing his adrenaline and his you know working through that composing himself dialing himself in for a shot still making a mistake but uh that experience he has now is invaluable yeah and you're right it's it's hard as a parent it's like oh man i love to put that thing on the wall yeah (laughs) it's it's not about me it's about them
0: yeah yeah that's really cool
1: yeah so where where where's it
0: going from here I mean you did a Pilot, pilot episode, would you call yeah. it that? Yep, I have a pilot it, episode. Is it going to come out? Is it going to be released somewhere? Like, let's.
1: Yeah, I've got an agreement for a contract, cool. uh, which will include six additional episodes. Okay. And the, the goal from them is to film, uh, the six episodes this winter, this fall, winter, and spring, uh, between bear and deer and, uh, spring turkey, uh, do some fishing and, and, um, at least one episode of of processing meat and then uh next spring summer launch all seven episodes then awesome so we'll see um hoping it hoping it goes that way it's you know things always don't always go the way you want but that's 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 the plan right now from them so we'll hopefully uh hopefully see things out next next summer
0: and that'll be all you and your boys
1: just be my boys so you got a lot of hunting A lot of hunting
0: and fishing between now and then. We do, do,
1: (laughs) which is great. I love that part. (laughs) Is it all
0: North Idaho? You guys traveling anywhere? For
1: this year, it's going to be all Idaho, all North Idaho. And then next year, we have um, most likely do at least one Alaska hunt for caribou, moose. And then we're going to, we have got a handful of points for Wyoming antelope. So I've done that hunt a handful of times, come away with uh, half a dozen antelope. So we're going to go out there again and try to knock down a few antelope. And we'll do, of course, we'll do some fishing and some hunting next year. we got a, a tuna hunt, a tuna fish coming out. Oh, cool. We're, we're going to do one of those next uh, next late July, early August. Okay. So that'll be Where fun. do you go for that? I go out to, oh, can't think of the name, but it's on it's on the Washington coast towards the uh, south end of, mm-hmm. of, not quite, about three quarters of the way down Washington coast. There's a small town out there I go out of, and I have a friend who owns a, uh, who owns a charter charter boat and it'll take you about 60 miles offshore okay yeah awesome it's a that's a fun in fact. that would be something we should take uh you and you and ace should go out with us i think blast. they do they do 12 people on a boat so we could get a group together and and do an episode out there yeah yeah that would that's be a fun, fun that's a fun fish
0: yeah, I miss I miss some of that. Like, I mean, I grew up in Michigan, so it's lakes. It's not ocean fishing, mm. but still, like, yeah. going out, yeah. a ways into the bigger water, and, yeah. and trolling, and it's like, yeah, I, I love fly fishing. I wouldn't do yes. that for anything. No, but it's I agree. To, fun to get out on the big water too. Yes,
1: which is pretty awesome. It is, and out there too. There's, uh, I don't, I don't believe there's a limit on the tuna, but a lot of the, uh, a lot of the captains just limit people to ten tuna a day. Which you're talking it's fifteen still a lot of tuna. Fifteen, twenty pound tuna. Wow. I mean ten ten to twenty pounds is like the average range of what they're okay. getting out there. So yeah, you get you get ten, fifteen pound tuna and you do that that's for awesome. three days, that's a lot of fish. Yeah.
0: That's <laughs>
1: awesome. Yeah.
0: Have you gotten into the cooking side of it too? Yep, cooking and are, and I mean, curing flame, yep. right? Like, yeah, that's, that's got to be part of it. Yeah, all the <laughs> way from the field to flame, absolutely.
1: I yeah. mean, in fact, we got our own uh, our own um, kind of motto, uh, mission statement for our for our field to flame. The boys and I developed, but yeah, it's, it's it's all about going from we're not just out there in the field hiking, but when we get something, what do you do with it now? We got to bring it back. We got to we got to process it properly. We got to bring it back. We got to cook it up or preserve it and cook it. So yeah, so we've we've been doing a a little bit of that now with just developing our own our own recipes. My wife's been building out some of our own uh, our own spices that we're using breakfast sausage seasonings and different things like that that we use. Uh, And our our goal too with it is not to have any of these weird preservatives in it. We like to have things as clean as possible. That's a pretty big thing for us. So that's kind of our focus. And how do we do this in a way that that will make the meat last as well? So making pepperoni sticks out of out of bear meat, summer sausage, land Jaegers. yeah, a lot of good stuff. Yeah, yep, that's awesome. And you're doing all that yourself? Yep, doing so far. Doing it, well. We're or will? The, be. The, yeah, we've done some of it. The pepperoni sticks, we've done all that ourselves now. I'm learning how to do land Jaegers and summer sausage. Uh, I've got most of that figured out. So I got the own, my, our own equipment. We've been slowly stocking up on and yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah,
0: and getting your kids involved the whole way.
1: And the kids, every time we get an animal, we have we have our our station set up in our in our garage, and they all know how to bone out meat they know what they're learning what cuts are what, and they're understanding how to how to package it, how to grind it. Um, we uh we'll take and, and to the extent we take the bear fat too and we the boys are learning how to render that down make tallow and we have jars and jars of that so yeah we use that my wife uses that for cooking for baking it's great yes do you
0: just like summers or just pepperoni sticks and stuff with the bear meat or do you guys eat what do you what do you think of bear meat
1: you know, it's bear meat. It's interesting. a controversial thing. Yeah, I love bear meat. Yeah, I think bear meat's great. I love our pepperoni sticks. Uh, you have to be careful how you're how you're processing it and prepping it because, of course, there's always a fear of trigonosis, and mm-hmm. you don't want to, as as Stephen Rinella says, you you don't want to be trick positive. And <laughs> I don't. I've no desire to have that. And I guess I can last inside your muscles for five six years. Really? Yeah. Wow. So. I, I think the biggest part is getting the heat internal temperature of the meat up to a certain point, holding it there for a certain amount of time kills off any of the bacteria or any of the, uh, any of the, um, uh, the trichinosis that can get into your muscle. And I, as long as you're preserving it properly and you're careful and you're very clean and what you do, your process, that's our big, our big thing. Our boys, uh, and myself, we're extremely careful about cleanliness I think if you're really careful with that, you prevent a lot of problems. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, but I, I bear meat's great. We've done some hamburger. Well, my wife will mix it into different casseroles. Gives it a good different flavor. It's mm-hmm. great. And and around here it's different. Like depending on where the bear is, right? Like a bear will take on the flavor of what it eats. Right. So if you're eating, if you're catch if you shoot a bear on a on a river where there's salmon are just finished spawning, you know, there's a reason why Alaska. You're, you're not required to take the bear meat in the fall. Fishy. Yeah. You're required to take the bear meat in the spring for a spring bear hunt, but you're not required to take it in the fall. And they know. I mean, it's, it's disgusting. It smells terrible. It smells like a big rotten fish. And a lot of the bears we're shooting out here are high mountain bears. They're eating blueberries, grass. They're, I mean, they're going to be catching small rodents as well. And, and of course, in the springtime, they're going to be going after the deer and the elk fawn calves, but, uh, in the fall, um, or springtime before, before the fawn and the calves are dropping, there's a lot of grass fed bear and they're eating primarily grass for the first month or so after they come out of hibernation too, because they need to, you know, release that wax plug. So they're just, they're, I I would, I would, I would, say they're close close to like a grass-fed beef. They're different than a beef. You know, that's a controversial subject there. People will say, oh, they're not beef. I, I, I realize that. But they are definitely very tasty because they're they're so grass-fed for the first two months out of hibernation. Hmm. Yeah,
0: Yeah, interesting.
1: That's good. So what's the next time?
0: What's next on the list? Is it deer? I mean, next, right now, yeah. we're, we're, we're
1: finishing up elk.
0: Finishing up elk rifle. Are your boys rifle elk, honey? Yep.
1: So we'll, we're going to try to get something... Um, It's a, yeah, we don't have a whole lot of time, but, uh, it is tough. Deer is, is a big thing. We have some bear spots. We're going to, we've had a couple of spots that are getting completely annihilated by bears, multiple bears. I think of one spot that has six bears coming on it regularly. So, uh, two of my boys have gotten a bear. My oldest son has not gotten a bear yet. Um, actually in that episode, you'll see, uh, why he didn't get a bear. And so it's I, I bring that out, that kind of that stress of, oh man, we got a bear here. Yes, it's great. And then oh, disappointment. So it's right. it's it's exciting. But yeah, so bears coming up, deer, and then we got some fishing coming up. So a lot of fishing. Good. Yep.
0: Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks, Tim. Thanks, thanks for having for me on. And sharing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I appreciate it's it. It's always good. We'll have to have you on again as just more hunting stories. Yeah. Actually what we should do is do an episode with your boys.
1: That'd be fun. Oh, they be would fun. enjoy that. That'd be good. Yeah, that'd be great. Get a little
0: update maybe after yeah. the season. Yeah.
1: So, cool. No, thanks for having right. me on. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, thank you. Thanks for joining us. Like, share, subscribe. We'll see you next week.